Triple Play Fantasy's football show with D. Mindy, Brastadamus, Doc, and Johnny Foosball starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. A proud member of the Fantrax Podcast Network and the FantraxHQ.com fam. D-Mendy here, joined as always by Johnny Foosball. John, Zay Jones, he's back in the fold. How are you feeling about this? It's his breakout year. I can finally feel it. You know, third year on the Raiders where I've been feeling that. But, you know, he got a touchdown last year. So let's get to it. <laughs> Oh, so is that is that a bet? Double his touchdowns next year? Oh, it? easily, easily doubles his touchdowns. I love it. I love it. Also joined by a man who likes to make smoothies with his girlfriend. It's the doc, Eric Mendelson. What's going on? I thought you only brought her up on the baseball show, man. I was just this one time on the football show. They, double they strawberry smoothies, uh, banana. <laughs> You blueberry. know, we've yeah, mostly blueberries. Throwing some bananas in there. She has an ice cream maker as well, so we've been getting a little frisky. Yeah, frisky with smoothies. It's turning the show weird real quick. No Brad Stradamus tonight, so we're bringing in an upgrade. Tonight, we welcome in a man who's known as a lover as he spreads love throughout the fantasy football community. He's also known as a fighter for spitting fire at the podfather. The co-host of Fantasy Intervention, this football guy also doubles as a singer, a dancer, a consumer of the finest beers. Fellas. Daddy's home. Daddy's home. And I'm singing a fa la 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 because we're welcoming in Mike. Fa la 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 la. What's going on, man? Damn it. No one's ever going to beat that intro. That was, I'm all hyped now, man. You made me sound way more important than I've ever been in my life. I appreciate you, brother. And you, and you know what's funny, right? As he says, beer consumer, you just like take a sip of it and put it down. You got to tell everyone what you're drinking. Oh, tonight we got a little sip from Lawson's. Uh, so it's their little lighter version of Sip of Sunshine, their flagship beer out of uh, Vermont. So best best IPAs you can find up here in the Northeast. L- little sip of little sip. A little sip, a little, just took a little sip of my little sip, and now we're going to get after it. <laughs> I appreciate you, Jordan. Um, yeah, man. So I obviously know what you've been doing for a little while. You are, again, one of the biggest guys spreading positivity in a community that can have a lot of negativity at times. So you're kind of that shining light that can help shine light on what is a great thing in this fantasy football community. You know, it's there's a lot of people jealous or spiteful or just don't like what people are saying. So how do you find yourself still able to be so positive when kind of all this negative stuff keeps flowing in? Well, I mean, it's pretty simple, right? Like when I look at what I do here, it is an escape from life. Like I'm not looking for anything other than football and fun. Like today I spent my whole day making fun of Rondell Moore because I had nothing else better to do. Um, (laughs) And the fact is, I think when, when you get, you know, you're always going to confront you with trolls. You guys know this, you're on Twitter for more than five minutes. You're going to get trolled. I just learned how to have fun with it. You know, like I, I have a blast. Like I had one guy, I had told him that the perfect comp for AJ Dillon was, I think it was like 2000, you know, excuse me, 1997, like week two TJ Duckett, like just messing around with people. And some guy is just like, 
man, it's because of tweets like this. I hate Twitter. I just responded. I'm like, yo, man, me too. <laughs> I mean, like, it's all good, brother. My mom hates me too. We can make this happen. But um, I, I mean, realistically, this is a game that we play. It's a game about a game. Like, I ain't going to take that too seriously. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I get that we all hear the noise. We hear the negativity. But if you really pay attention, 98% of it is positive. Like, I came up watching, you know, um, Sal Stefanelli, uh, Sal Pal, Scott Fish, Ryan McDowell. Like, these are the guys that, like, I watched coming up and – they've been nothing but positive. Like you never see hate. You never see anything out of them. And I'm like, man, if they can do it with 40,000 followers, I can do it in this tiny little universe of mine um, that basically hardly anybody knows I exist. It ain't that hard to navigate at that point. So yeah, football and fun. That's really all I care about, to be honest. Yeah. And I remember I first saw you when the the whole Podfather thing came out and I was like, man, thank you for owning him because He's, he's definitely, I mean, he's a character, but he needed to be called out and you did a great job of that. And again, it's been, it's always it's been fun talking through the Twitter community, but actually having you on tonight to talk a little football is a whole different kind of relationship now. So uh, as long as you're comfortable with us moving forward, I don't like to push too hard here. So uh, no, this, this is, we're completely all on the same page here. We can, we can make this happen. We're all good. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, got some fun stuff on the docket tonight. We're talking free agent Fantasia part two. Mike, when I tell when I ask you what Fantasia is, what does that mean to you? Oh man, that is, that is a dope ass Mickey Mouse movie, ain't it? Like it is a guy Thank wearing you. a hat, making orchestras happen. It, uh, I love that. I love that. Are we are we gonna do some songs from it, or what do you want to do? So, so, wait, well, so only- the people think it's from for Disney, but I meant it as like a Fantasia burrito. From American yes! Idol. Yes. Okay. I was going to mention <laughs> oh, that. Thank I, you. We can do Thank that too if you want. Thank we can you. absolutely do that. <laughs> so we're going to do some songs from her. I have to pull some up. I mean, that's what, 10 years she ago? She didn't now. win that season, though, right? No, she, she won that. She did. Did she I thought, win? I think so. I think no, so. I no, I don't she think was she in did. The, like, the, that, that, she was like from when like the winner of American Idol always did worse than the like the runners up and everything. Like oh, career wise, yeah. oh yeah, because remember that. Dude, I, that I feel like she like beat it. out like Kelly Clarkson or something, or Carrie Underwood. I feel like no, they were the seasons before that. She was in the same one with Latoya London. All right, oh, that's uh, a name. Oh, she, well, yeah, she was the. Yes, yeah, she was. The oh, winner. she Dang. did win. She yeah. did win. Mm-hmm. She almost got eliminated one episode, but she did win. She but had the the, the lungs of like. Is she the second least famous though? Now there's the dude who did the truck commercial has to be the most famous, like the least famous, right? Remember that white dude? He was like a, a soccer dad who won. Yeah, Taylor Hicks. Thinking, he had the gray hair. Hmm. Oh, I, I was I, gonna I, say Justin Garini too. Was a nobody. I, I only watched. But a he did a movie seasons, with Kelly Clarkson. So that's true. That's true. If you see what he looks like now, because you you see Kelly Clarkson everywhere, but you don't see him. You like look you know him up what? now. Adam Rank messed us up because now we just get off topic all the time. I think yeah. he, he ingrained <laughs> it in us. It's it's facts. It's facts. But it's fun. All good and fun. Um, so we're going to be talking free agent Fantasia. The real reason I changed this is because everybody has free agent frenzy and we like to be different here. So uh, there's a ton of free agent signings, cuts and moves. We talked about some last week. We're going to dive into the other big ones that have happened since we were last airing. Got the perfect guy for that tonight in Mike. After that, we're going to go to our question of the week that's going to remain a mystery until John asks us at the end of the show, where we also have our game of the week, one of John's favorite patented games. So make sure you stay tuned for that. So, fellas, if you're ready to get another episode started, then, man, we are here to do it for you. 
Let's do it! Yeah! Okay, well, are you sure that it's plugged in? So this is the moment of the show where you usually throw some news and notes at you. Uh, but the entire episode is pretty much a news and notes type of scheme, right? So uh, we're going to do some shameless plugs in the meantime, just to fill in a couple minutes here. Mike, I got to ask you have, you, have you checked out the new digs? Have you seen the Triple Play Fantasy website? I have absolutely seen it. Oh, and I am a huge fan, man. I, I am a huge fan of Triple Play, seeing the new digs. I have also can't believe man i cannot believe how thin of a margin you guys missed on going all the way on the cbs mlb podcast man it was 50 50 i'm watching it like i'm refreshing like a fool going how is this going to happen i've never seen an actual 50 50 poll before we lost by four votes. i also think somebody misclicked so i don't think we ever really looked into that i mean how many misclicks were there we could have won I, I think i think there is i think this is like that hanging chad thing that they had in the election back then <laughs> i i would absolutely look into that i'm guaranteeing you something happened i'm guessing there were burners involved i have no doubt you guys had the win or could have been a bunch of bots too someone could have mm. bought a bunch of bots and swayed the vote you never that's know that's what i'm guessing happened someone called in china the the bots that <laughs> and it was over and you know hey I, I all the power to them i'm all about winning um but but yeah i think in when we talk human votes you guys probably won by three thousand if i did guess i like where your head's at man i it was a fun tournament, that was for sure, even though uh, after 1,700 votes to lose by four, it was a little bit of a heartbreaker, but appreciate the support that you and a bunch of the football community gave us. But um, over at TripleplayFantasy.com or TripleplayFantasy.com, you're able to access articles, links to all the other podcasts, YouTube videos, we got them all. So while you're there, make sure you check out all the faces. If you want to see our bios, they're there too. You can also check out the first round of new members of the team. We've got... Ahan, Marty, Christian, Alex, and Kiernan, all going to be contributing Dynasty Redraft and team pieces for the squad. So make sure you check those out. Marty Tallman came out with a five hitters you need to target in your fantasy baseball draft later on. So it's a great new piece you can check out on the site. Part of the new expansion is the growth of the YouTube channel, where it's not just sports, but the addition of movie minutes with uh, one of them being Mr. Johnny Foosball. Jo Foosball, can you tell us a little bit what our, uh, you can expect the movie minutes on our YouTube channel? So it's it's movies and it goes on for, you know, at least multiple minutes. And what we do is we talk about it. We talk about the movie. <laughs> we do reviews. We do spoilers, tons of spoilers, but fun spoilers. Yeah, they go on some movies I've never heard of, but it's a quick few minutes. If you're in, if you you're haven't a heard of Toy Story 4? Come on. Oh, I mean, I've never watched it, but I've heard <laughs> of it. Uh, but they're awesome. They're, uh, they got a lot of good stuff on the movie minutes. Also have some coaches' corners for basketball if you're in all that. And then last thing, last little bit of plugging, make sure you give us a five-star rating and review if you like what we're cooking up here. I know every podcast says this is only the beginning, but this is only the beginning. So make sure you guys stick with us. Fun, a bunch of great stuff coming along the way here. All right, enough plugging. I don't want to scare Mike away here. So let's... Let's dive in to our free agent Fantasia part two right after this quick break if you're listening on the podcast side. All right. Free agent Fantasia part two. A lot of moves have been done. And I'm going to try to bring up the most relevant ones. I'm not going to hit every single one because we'd be here for two hours. So let's start off with the first one that I have listed here. And that's Will Fuller 
on a one-year deal to join the Miami Dolphins. According to Ian Rappaport, it's going to be a one-year deal with $10 million with incentives present in the deal as well. His PED suspension will prevent him from playing week <laughs> one next year. That whole crazy situation. A guy that's been battling injuries from 2016 to 2019, never eclipsing 14 games in any of those seasons. He finally stayed healthy in his contract year. New career high marks, 879 receiving yards, 16.6 yards per catch, and eight touchdowns in 11 games. The dude looked like a bona fide top 10 wide receiver. Mike, going to you first for this big-time guy, Will Fuller, going to the Miami Dolphins. What can we expect from him next year? All right, so let's talk the pros and cons. Uh, the pros are Will Fuller clearly needs narcotics to stay on the field, and Miami might be the best place to get them. <laughs> um, so we have that going for us. But but the rest of it really, for me, goes on to a downside at that point. Uh, realistically, I was praying for Will Fuller to end up with a gunslinger. Honestly, Jameis Winston and Will Fuller, to me, was the most fun combination I could actually come up with in my head. Someone who's going to just chuck the ball down the field. Two was just not that guy. But as sad as I am, that Will Fuller landed in Miami. It is nothing compared to the Preston Williams truthers. <laughs> it's over, guys. It is over. I've been telling you since last year that Preston Williams isn't a thing. It's now over. But the fact is, um, I mean, with Williams as a fourth option, he's out of the picture. What I like about Fuller is there is a good amount of target share here. Uh, you know, you're talking Gusecki, Devontae Parker aren't exactly monsters. They're not exactly these top flight where had he gone to Green Bay, which I did like as a landing spot for him because of the quarterback. Obviously, he's competing for targets with Devontae Parker. And Will Fuller, let's be honest, only needs to catch two or three balls to get that 100-yard mark in two TDs. That's just who he is. I'm just not sure this is the quarterback to make it happen. I thought it might be a precursor to a Watson deal. Um, honestly, now it looks like that's not going to happen. We don't have to get into why, but it looks like realistically we're looking at Tua and Fuller. I just don't see a great match. I see Fuller being more now the guy who's going to take the top off the defense so that Tua has those open throws across the middle. I think this more helps Parker and Gesicki than it does actually help Fuller. Um, I hate the match, but the only thing that I love about it is it's a one-year deal. Uh, I think he's taken the route that a lot of free agents are taking, which is expecting that TV deal coming next year. So signing that one-year deal with a potential contender, which Miami is, to do that prove-it contract, prove that he can stay healthy, and then look at the big money next year. I think in Dynasty is still a nice play, but in redraft, I'm getting away from Will Fuller. I'm already not in love with those boomer bust players, but I'm certainly not going to go for one that's attached to two. It's just not a great fit for me personally. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think to his longest completion last like last year, I think was around 33 yards or so, and it was a screen pass. Uh, so he's not a guy that was taking a lot of chances downfield. I know people are going to say that hip injury, now he's going to have a year under his belt to get it stronger and better, but I agree. Someone is a deep threat like Will Fuller is. It's hard to watch a guy that didn't take a lot of shots last year trying to get him the ball, and I agree a lot of those other guys can benefit Doc, is there anything you would like to add about Will Fuller? How are you feeling about him in redraft, dynasty, any of those type of things? I think Mike hit the nail on the head for a lot of it, especially signing that one-year deal because the TV revenue is going to go up. And, you know, if he has a decent year, he can potentially cash in for more. Um, I, I made a joke. I said he's going to be good for weeks two and three, and then he's going to pull his hamstring because it's a soft tissue injury. So I think if you do take him in redraft, just knowing his injury history, he's definitely going to be a sell-high candidate. 
I, you know, I know Tua didn't complete a lot of deep balls last year, but like you said, there is going to be the offseason. Yeah, maybe he's not going to throw downfield a lot, but they have an entire offseason to figure out how they want to utilize him and scheme him in. So I'm not a huge Will Fuller fan more just for the injury risk, but I do like his prospects going forward. I, I think it was a good signing by the Dolphins, especially for a one-year deal, because if he gets hurt or doesn't live up, you're not hamstrung, pun intended, for years to come. There you go. Yeah, there was 20 or 35 yards was his longest pass attempt on 33 deep ball attempts, which is 20 or more yards downfield. So not a great match there. Johnny, I'm going to start with you for the next guy here as we move on. And we're going to talk about Curtis Samuel, who's found a new home with the Washington football team. This wasn't a one-year deal. This was a three-year deal worth up to $35.25 million, 24 and a half guaranteed. He was a second round pick. His numbers have progressed and improved each year in the NFL, which uh, accumulated to the 2020 season, career high 1,051 yards from scrimmage and five touchdowns. He also gammered a career high 41 rushing attempts. So he's the type of guy that you can expect to also get some carries. So do you like this match between Curtis Samuel and the Washington football team? No, I mean, I, I saw a lot of Curtis Samuel love um, going into free agency, he seemed like the darling, which I really didn't seem to understand that much. And then especially going into the Washington football team where they don't really, you know, have the whole quarterback situation fully ironed out completely. There's still a lot up in the air. And I didn't think he was as explosive as everyone was was building him up to be. I don't think he's going to actually be running the ball like he was. That was more out of necessity with Christian McCaffrey out. And I just don't see them doing that between Washington's nice young running back and then also their love affair with J.D. McKissick. So I don't really see him getting a ton of carries. And, you know, after, after that, he's just more of a mediocre receiver. You don't like the kissing man at all? <laughs> is that is that what you're calling him? Yeah. I, I think I think John is just salty for wide receivers that get rushing attempts because Robert Woods. <laughs> well, that's a, no, we'll save that for another day. That's a whole other tangent. Mike, how are you feeling about Curtis Samuel with Brian Fitzpatrick obviously looking like he's going to be the week one starter, barring anything crazy? Do you? He tends to seem like he likes to lock on to his number one guy between you have the Stevie Johnson back in Buffalo, Brandon Marshall with the Jets. You have Devontae Parker with Miami. Are you worried that he might be that for Terry McLaurin and that Curtis Samuel might suffer because of that? I am. Yeah, I think that I love this for the Washington football team. I, I like this as a football signing, and I like what Curtis Samuel is going to do for the rest of the team. He is going to take at least some attention away from the defense, but the fact is he's probably the fourth option on this team. When you look at McLaurin, who I think is a bona fide one, and I do think Fitzpatrick's going to feed him. You look at your second option is going to be Logan Thomas, a tight end. And then obviously you have Antonio Gibson, who is probably a better wide receiver than Curtis Samuel anyway, coming out of the backfield. Uh, so I love this for everybody involved, except for Curtis Samuel. And what I love is that if you go back to the people that are talking about how great this is, uh, the Curtis Samuel truthers. I just wish I had even the amount of energy it would take to go back two years to talk about how bad they wanted to get him away from Ron Rivera because he's killing Curtis Samuel, and now we're celebrating it. Oh, here's a guy who knows them. Uh, I just don't think Curtis Samuel is that guy. I think he's a very good football player, uh, but I don't think he's a number one. I think he's a complimentary piece, 
And granted, they got him for less than my team paid for Nelson Aguilar, so I can't even complain about the deal. But overall, I think Samuel is just another piece to this offense and not a very high-performing one. You're not going to see him on anyone, any of my rosters because there's always one person who loves Curtis Samuel more than me. Uh, sometimes there's multiple, but there's always one. He's going to that team, and I have no problem with that. I have no problem with missing here. I just don't see the volume. I don't see him as being explosive enough to do it on limited volume, like we just talked about Will Fuller. His game is predicated on getting the volume, getting those unique touches, like you talked about, getting the handoffs. He's not going to see those types of plays, so I, I just don't see him as a fantasy factor at all, to be honest. I completely agree with you. Uh, I think better real-life move than fantasy move, even though he'll slide into the number two slot most likely. Um, if you look at the Washington football team, they fed Logan Thomas, they fed Terry McLaurin, they fed the running backs in that system. Obviously, you have Fitzpatrick in there now, so it might be a little bit different, but you got to wonder how much work will there be for the number two wide receiver. Doc, I'm going to go to you next for the next guy on here because he plays in the division of your favorite fo uh, football team here. Gerald Everett going to stay in the nfc west but he's going from the rams to the seahawks on a one-year deal a lot of tight ends moving he's the next big name it's a seven million dollar deal with six million guaranteed there were high hopes for him as he was selected as a second round pick in the 2017 drafts but he has yet to put together that standout season i think many hoped he was going to do uh are you excited about this move to the seahawks or is this somebody that i think the name is going to carry value and you're staying away i mean i think the name value but i don't think gerald everett is even like that big a name to begin with. Like, I think going into the season, everybody was more bullish on Tyler Higby. But you look at Gerald Everett's games from last year, he played 15 of them. He only had more than one or than five catches in one game. The most he had was 90 receiving yards. After that, his most in a game was 44. He's used as a blocker. And with Seattle, I mean, they're a run-heavy team. They re-signed Chris Carson, so I think he's going to get the ball a lot. They're already going to feed Metcalf and Lockett, and I think that offense is losing a little bit of its of its in or of its efficiency. I think there's going to be a little bit more disconnect, kind of if we've heard the rumblings come out. So, I mean, yeah, Gerald Everett is maybe a tight end that you stream, but I don't see you taking him and being like, yeah, he's going to be my starter week in week out. Tight ends have never really thrived in Seattle. Jacob Pollister, Will Disley, Jimmy Graham, they have never really performed like you'd expect the wide receivers that they've had so mike i want to go to you back to you you have chris carson there who's back in the full we'll get to him in a second uh he's somebody that you when he's there you know they're going to run the ball a lot like docs mentioned they have dk medcalf they have tyler Lockett. they want to get the ball would you put gerald everett in the top 12 for redraft for next year uh just outside I think I have them somewhere around 14. But when you start getting outside of that top four, you're really talking touchdown dependent. And I think when you look at Gerald Everett, he's a big target. He's an athletic target. And what they don't have is really that true red zone threat. When you look at the wide receivers they have, especially Tyler Lockett being a burner, um, they what they don't have is that big body that Russell Wilson can go to around the goal line. Now, granted, they're going to yeah. run it. DK Metcalf's really short. No, he's really he's <laughs> he's tall, but he's not a you know what I mean. He's not a high pointer. He's more of going to beat you on the on the routes. He's not a guy who is going to box you out of the play. That's just not his game. So what I think you're going to see is when you talked about and, and David, you mentioned this Jimmy Graham. 
a hobbled Jimmy Graham was still getting a lot of red zone targets. I think Gerald Everett can convert some of those. So what I don't see is like when you look at uh, Devonte Adams in Green Bay, who's getting a lot of one yard touchdowns. When you look at like that guy that people are looking at at you know five yards in they tend to run the ball except when they should have in the super bowl of course uh but they tend to run the ball but i think there'll still be enough red zone touches that he could fall into that top 12 just like anybody else could let's not forget what the top 12 looked like last year five touchdowns is good enough so in a wasteland of a position i'm gonna take a chance on a guy who you know runs a 462 at 240. you know he is a big boy he's still young this isn't we're not talking about an aging vet here you know we're talking about a 26 year old player who is getting a chance with the hall of fame quarterback i'll take that over what we're getting for the garbage at the bottom of the position i think that when you look at him a redraft where i put him next to is like a cole Komet, adam troutman type player and i think that when you look at all the press that troutman is getting as a tight end gerald everett is far and away a better athlete than Adam Trellman. Don't get it confused here. He is a better athlete. So I'm going to take a chance on a guy who could blow up. I'm not going to love him in my tight end one, but you'd be damn sure I'll be putting him as my tight end two in a lot of leagues and hoping, hoping that he reaches the ceiling that we thought he was going to reach with the Rams. Yeah, great guy you can pair with somebody else, and then if it doesn't work out, you're not relying on him solely. So I like that. Let's stay with Seattle. I don't know if there's going to be too much analysis unless you guys have something different about Chris Carson. Happy he got the bag, got two-year deal. Uh, I believe it was worth $14.63 million, so a really weird number. But happy for my guy that he he's one of my favorite running backs to watch. He's a bruising guy that gives it all every single play. Seventh-round pick. Um, but as far as for redraft for next season, I know Dynasty, his values every year is kind of goes down a little bit, obviously, because he's aging. He's been in the league a few years. Uh, but as far as redraft, are we keeping him about where he's been? Is there anything too much to discuss here, dissect? You guys he might easy. be one of the most consistent players. Like he's consistent eight, nine hundred yards, playing twelve to thirteen games and missing three or four. Yeah, you know he's this was he worked. He's a tough runner. So again, we'll be good for that. A couple like small bit of news I want to get before we get to some more bigger guys here. Mitch Trubisky is backing up Josh Allen in Buffalo for only two and a half million dollars. That's like third string. That is, that is my least favorite quarterback room of any team in history. <laughs> well, is, is it just them too? Cause I know Matt Barkley's gone. Jake from oh, Jake from still there. Oh, well, they still have him on. Oh, team. then even worse. Yeah. That's <laughs> even worse. Good God. <laughs> that is, that's a, I, I mean, they have an interesting room there. Agreed. Um, no, a couple other AJ green to the Cardinals. Are we interested in that? Kinda. No. Oh, Docky, this is supposed to be easy. Now you no. gotta think. No, no, it's just like depending where he goes, like it's a dart throw. Like if he's going in the sixth or seventh round, like he has been going, then no. But like if you can get him in the tenth or eleventh round, yeah, why not? I don't know. I'm he I'm had really a terrible worried. year, he's gonna be fiery. Kyler throws the ball a lot. There we go. I, yeah. So he's go ahead, Mike. So here's my favorite tweet of the week. I had an Andy Isabella truth. They're kind of popping off about the AJ Green signing. And he said, when are they going to give Isabella a shot? And I said, probably week four, it's AJ Green. Uh, and that's how I feel about him. I mean, if you're talking about selling high on Will Fuller, because he's going to pull a hamstring, Will Fuller is just a better version of 
AJ Green, who's going to pull a hamstring as well. Like, I, I just think this isn't a guy who I'm going to even think is going to be suiting up for the fantasy playoffs. So if you're planning on making the playoffs, I hope you're not planning on relying on AJ Green. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, again, he's he's somebody I actually would think you're either going to snag at the end of your draft or someone that might even go undrafted. He's just an aging wide receiver. Probably going to play in the slot, I would think, because they'll or no, they'll probably have Christian Kirk in the slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they'll have him and they'll have DeAndre Hopkins on the outside. Um, I'm not looking to grab him anywhere. Obviously, in Dynasty, he's probably left out there and not even going to be picked up anywhere. But um, moving to an interesting bit of news here. Not that the guy himself isn't interesting, but the situation kind of begs <laughs> to be talked about here. Uh, and that's the Mr. Guy Marlin. himself isn't interesting. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. I mean, let's be honest. No one's really looking at him this way. It's Marlon Mack. I mean... A guy that tore his Achilles week one, a one-year, $2 million deal. When you see Marlon Mack, your mind immediately goes to Jonathan Taylor, right? Mm -hmm. The guy that everybody's touting as the best running back now in the league or or somewhat some kind of version after Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I'm curious if you guys think this is going to affect your thoughts on Jonathan Taylor next year. I'll start with you, uh, Mike. What do you think? No. No, of course not. This is a guy coming off an Achilles. They're hoping – to see something in him this year that makes him viable to re-sign next year. This isn't a contract for him for this year. You're going to see the same combo you've seen, which is Taylor and Hines. And what you're going to see is Mac hopefully filling the Jordan Wilkins role that you saw in that second half of the season. They're going to give him like three to five carries. Just hoping he can hold up. This is not an ACL. Like what I keep hearing from people is he's coming back from injury. This is an Achilles. This is a plant move that you have to have that intact. This isn't an injury we've ever seen a running back come back from. This takes away your explosiveness from a guy who didn't have a ton of it to begin with. I think Marlon Mack, as much as I I would love to see him be a great story and come back from this, there's no way I can bet on that. And there's no way I can see a team they'd be reckless to give him more than three to five carries. And you knew that Jonathan Taylor was going to have somebody fill that role. In my opinion, this is perfect if you have Taylor, that you have a guy that you know can't carry the load. You have a guy you know isn't going to cut into your workload. So I think if you're if you're someone who has Taylor on your roster, this should be very welcome news to you. This is somebody who in 2021 is going to hope to show something to get a contract for 22 and beyond. This isn't a player who's going to put up numbers in this year. No, I agree. I mean, again, it's somebody that he looked like it was going to be a problem starting out last year, but Jonathan Taylor looks like he's established himself as the guy. Maybe, Ian, you may be worried a little bit about Hines. David, did I really hear you say people are saying he's the second best running back? So, I mean, I've seen stuff on Twitter. People are like, after Christian McCaffrey, this is going to be the guy that they're targeting in their drafts. Well, I think drafts are different than real life. Like, yeah, you take him because he's young. I mean, this is a a fantasy show. So I meant in like the fantasy (laughs) aspect. Are we forgetting where we're not on first take right now? I wouldn't even put him at, I wouldn't even put him there for fantasy either. Unless only dynasty related. Oh yeah, dynasty. So where would you, all right. So dynasty. So, so Dave, let me rattle off quick. some names of running backs I'd rather have. Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb. Shoot, I'd even probably take James Robinson. Whoa. Whoa. Well, hold on. Spicy. There's spiciness oh. here. Hold on. 
we were all nodding along, and then bam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you had us at the you had us at the beginning, not at the end. Yeah, I mean, you had to throw Carlos Hyde in there because he's the starter. If you're going to talk about Jacksonville, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I guess it's, it's. I've just seen people hyping up Jonathan Taylor again. I, I, Dynasty for sure. In redraft, I've seen other people talk about if they can't get Christian McCaffrey, this is the guy that they're targeting. They're concerned, obviously. You have Dalvin Cook. You have some injury history. You have Alexander Madison. That's going to take away some of the work. I mean, Aaron Jones, obviously, he's been very efficient with his carries. You have to worry about if A.J. Dillon's going to step in and take away some goal line work. I mean, there's always, like, obviously, questions about every guy. That's why I had seen Jonathan Taylor rising up people's ranks. Not that I necessarily agree with it, but uh, a couple other guys I want to touch on here. John, I want to go right back to you. John Brown going to Las Vegas. He's going to your team, the Raiders. On a one-year, three-point-seven-five million-dollar deal, set career—he set career highs last year: seventy-two catches, thousand sixty receiving yards. Uh, I'm sorry, that was the uh, first season with the Bills, but then he was limited to nine games. 20, in last year, yeah, yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm mixing up my years. Last year had some injuries, but right now it looks like he expected to take that Nelson Aguilar role. So, is this some guy that? I don't think you're obviously using a high pick on, maybe even not even a mid round, but someone you might try to target kind of towards the back end of your draft. I mean, at, at the end of last season, Nelson Aguilar was the definition of dependable. Even though you think he's only the big play, he was putting up consistent numbers. And if, going into last season, if you would ask people who's better, John Brown or Na- Nelson Aguilar, they would have given you John Brown a hundred times out of a hundred times. So I think this is, only an upgraded receiver and you know if he's healthy he looks to slide in as a possible number one number one a between him and rugs and Derek Carr will give him work yeah there you go I we don't need to touch on that one anymore there's bigger guys we'll get to doc I want to just have you be the only one touch yeah, on he is a short fella <laughs> how tall is he he's not very tall yeah he's he's got to be like 510 like, right I, that might be Five, all right, I'm pulling up right now. 5'11". Wow. Yeah. Taller than so, so he says. So he says. Yeah, it's listed. He was too scared to put himself at six feet, which means he is actually I like list, five, I mean, I list myself nine. at six feet. So. I was going to say, he's, he lists himself at 5'11", which basically means he's six foot. All right, well, there you go. Doc, how do you feel about Emmanuel Sanders with the Bills? It's like many right now, one-year deal, $6 million, but he's – basically sliding into that John Brown role and then everybody waiting for the Gabe Davis breakout all was, we were uh, very upset probably by this news. Everybody wanting Gabe Davis to be the number two doc. Are you, if you have the choice between the two in your draft, it's not in dynasty. It's no question. You're obviously going Gabe Davis, but if you're in a redraft league and you have to choose between the two to have a better year next year, who are you picking? I'm actually taking Emmanuel Sanders. I'm a big Sanders fan. He had 726 receiving yards last year with the Saints playing in only 14 games and kind of with that iffy quarterback situation, Drew Brees not able to throw the ball downfield and kind of not having uh, – And Taysom Hill not being able to throw the ball down the field. I, yeah, I was, I was waiting for you to assist me on that. I think people forget of how much of a competitor Emmanuel Sanders is. In 2018, when he tore his Achilles, he came back and was ready by the opening week of 2019. So – He's a he's a bona fide football player. I think he's a great route runner. I think he's someone that is going to help Josh Allen elevate his game to an even higher level. 
I think he's a great complement to Diggs. He's not going to be that home run threat, but maybe he plays in the slot, takes some under routes, and can get a little bit of yak. So you're right, Dynasty, it's Gabe Davis, no question. But redraft, I feel more comfortable with Sanders. Yeah, Sanders is a yak daddy, so he'll have that for Josh Allen this year. Love those yak daddies. Uh, let's go to the Giants next. I want to touch both the moves they made here, starting with the little one and then the big one. So, Mike, I want to go to you. Kyle Rudolph first. Is he worth anything? Is he worth a gamble as a second tight end later on in your draft? Two-year, $14 million deal. So you know he's hopefully going to maybe get some kind of looks there. And then the big dog, the Kenny Galladay news, him going there, four-year, $72 million deal. Where are you drafting Kenny Galladay? Where are you ranking him amongst the wide receivers? All right, so Rudolph, no. We, we no, just, just no. Uh, Ru- Rudolph's not even going to lead the tight ends in targets in a low-volume offense. I'm good. Uh, so, yeah, we can move on from Rudolph. He is a good NFL player. I like the move for the Giants. So if we're talking NFL, love the move. I like Kyle Rudolph, very solid player. But Dynasty, redraft, don't care. He's not ending up my roster in either. Kenny Dolliday, on the other hand, man, I am I am wheels up. I, I've heard a lot of talk about, well, now we're stuck with Daniel Jones. No, what he's stuck in is an offense that is going to feed this man. It's not a one-year deal. This is a long-term deal. They are expecting Kenny Galladay and Saquon Barkley to be the focus of this offense, and I love that. The fact is we can talk about quarterbacks all we want. We can talk to we're blue in the face, but wide receivers, targets, are king over anything else targets are king and let's not pretend like daniel jones can't throw the ball he is upper middle of the pack for deep throws kenny galladay is their red zone target he is going to be there everything that saquon barkley isn't and if you look at two years ago what darius slayton did who is a hot mess of garbage tacked up in a wide receiver i'm sure he's a wonderful human being but as an NFL <laughs> player he's not very good now you have Kenny Galladay. The only concern I have with Galladay is the hip. I'm not a doctor. I went to college for seven years, but that's because I'm a drunk. Uh, <laughs> but realistically, when you look at Galladay, that's the only concern I have is health. I love, love, love this landing spot. Right now I have him as my wide receiver 16 with the possibility of jumping up to that wide receiver 13 based on the situation that he's in. I think Galladay is right on that cusp of wide receiver one, wide receiver two value. And I just think this only helps him. I I don't know what people are looking at that I'm not, other than the narrative that Daniel Jones sucks. I think this is a target monster, and I think he's going to get that type of Keenan Allen type target share. And I think Kenny Galladay is a beast if he gets that. So do you envision best case scenario, this is an offense like New Orleans with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas basically being the two guys that get all the targets in the passing game and it being similar with Barkley and Galladay, and then they'll just kind of sprinkle in whatever is left with Ingram and the other guys? Yeah, I actually think the the offense that I would liken it to most that I see playing out is going to be more what the Chargers did uh, with Evan Ingram playing that kind of Hunter Henry role. And Kenny Galladay being Keenan Allen and obviously Saquon Barkley being Austin Eckler and getting the touches both on the ground and through the air. And if I could get that level of target share, I would love that. The reason why I'm going with that is because I think Galladay just runs a different route tree than Thomas does and likens more to Keenan Allen for me. But I, I love that whole 12 to 14 targets a game. You don't give out this kind of money 
in a condensed cap unless you're planning on feeding this man. You're not doing it unless you're planning on him being a focal point. So the contract, the numbers, the years, and his competition, I think is perfect. I think I think this helps Shepard. I think Shepard's going to be a nice play. I think Slayton goes out to pasture, but I think it'll be a nice play working those underneath routes, you know, three to five targets. But this leaves a ton for Kenny Galladay. So I love seeing him in that. I think he'll be in that top 10 target share across the league. I have no concern about him that way. So if I put you on the spot and I were to say over or under 75 catches next year. Over. Oh, easily over? Easy. Okay. All right. So I know in PPR leagues, Galladay slips a little bit. So if you can guarantee that there's a lot more catches there, I think a lot more people, PPR is the standard, obviously. So that's mm-hmm. more intriguing for his value. Um, so it's ironic, David, because standard scoring is not PPR. <laughs> what, did, what did I say? You said PPR, PPR is PPR standard. Standard. Yeah. <laughs> it's a joke. You didn't catch my okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, think, I think when you look at where he was with Detroit, I mean, he was competing with you know Marvin Jones. I, I don't think they have anybody that's even like that. And honestly, in a low-volume offense with a quarterback with a broken back, like there was a lot of things to that that didn't play out, not to mention he couldn't stay healthy. So that's the caveat is this man needs to stay healthy, and that becomes his issue. If he stays healthy, I, I have him 85, 90 catches. All right. Doc, anything you would like to add to that before we move to the next guy? Yeah, obviously, you know, Kenny Galladay is an extremely talented player, and I'm definitely dinging him in PPR because 2018 and 2019, he had 119 and 116 targets, but he had 70 and 65 receptions. So he has a career catch percentage of 58.1. So more targets doesn't always necessarily equate to more catches. And Matthew Matthew Stafford's been a pretty accurate quarterback throughout his career. I'm not going to say that Daniel Jones sucks or anything. I, I think He hasn't proved he's on Stafford level yet. He certainly hasn't had the weapons. But also, keep in mind how pass-heavy Detroit has been over the years. I don't think they've had an 1,000-yard rusher since like 2012 or something. And then you're going to then go to the Giants where Saquon, assuming he's healthy, is going to get a lot of work. I don't think anybody's doubting the talent or the situation that Galladay is in. I'm kind of one of those – I know, obviously, there's going to be people that reach and take him and that his value is going to be high. I kind of want to see it for a longer period of time before I really buy in. And I don't think I'll be able to get him at the price that I'm willing to draft him at. All right. Well, let's move to another guy here. I got a couple other guys I want to touch on. The Raiders bringing in Kenyon Drake. It's a significant investment. Two years, $11 million, basically to uh, back up Brandon Jacobs to be the 1B to his 1A. John Gruden is clearly trying to reinvent the running game this offseason, and most of the offensive line has already been shown the door this month. So, John, I want to go to you first as the Raiders fan on the show. And a real-life football move, it's not bad to bring in good running backs. I think that's okay. Obviously, you can spell Jacobs with a better running back than Jalen Richard, right? But let's talk about it with the fantasy aspect. Are you, how much are you bumping down Josh Jacobs, who was kind of a borderline RB1 kind of middle? I, I actually think this helps him a lot, and you can see it as the season goes on. The carries just wear on him. The the one to two yard carries just – he was doing a lot of work, and it impacts his, his performance at that point because he'll do 25, 30 carries – the next carry next game isn't going to be as fresh. I like it from that perspective. I still think he's going to get all the goal line work, so you don't have to worry about that aspect. And then from Kenyon Drake, I'm hearing rumblings 
They might use him like they wanted to use Lim Bowden Jr. Uh, before they uh, traded him last season. They might even split him out wide sometimes. So I think there's a lot to work with there, and the defense still isn't vastly improved, so there's going to be high-scoring games. So you're, where are you ranking Josh Jacobs? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Would you take him in the second round? Because I'm hearing I, rumblings of him going closer to like a third or fourth round pick right now. I, I wouldn't have him nearly as high as I did this year just because it looks like, you know, with their decreased workload and he's not as effective in his workload uh, currently. But I, I definitely have him in RB1 territory. All right. All right. So you're probably then going second round on him. So John's the high man on but You were the high man on him last year, and it looked pretty good for part of the year before kind of well, injury. It really good after just, week one. Yeah, it's what, when you have when you have so many carries week in week out, it's hard to be as effective in the carries you do get. Mike, are you getting ready to rain on Foosball's parade? So I don't actually care about Kenyon Drake signing there. I had him as running back twenty two before he signed. I am not a Josh Jacobs guy, and this is strictly for dynasty. When you look at what the NFL has told you about running backs who don't catch the ball. This is a guy who has a 75% catch percentage out of the backfield. Uh, I don't have to tell you how atrocious that is, given that they're literally just dumping it off to him. Those are easy catches. You're supposed to make those grabs. Uh, He's just not the type of player that I think plays well in the NFL. I got crushed, crushed in my dynasty rankings that I had him outside my top 20. Like, legitimately, of all the rankings I posted, the Raiders ones were the ones that got killed on which was Josh Jacobs at 22 and Waller at tight end four. Why we're angry about Waller at four, I don't know. Jacobs, I get. Now you talk about no offensive line. You moved on from Hudson. You moved on from Williams. Now you talk about Kenyon Drake coming in, a better version of Devontae Booker, who was taking volume from Jacobs already. What are you really left with? I, I really do think this is a situation where less is more. Oh, and I can see that from an NFL perspective, Johnny. I'm not. I'm not saying from an NFL perspective. No, but I'm saying in in a fantasy perspective, he's going to be better at the end of the game when they're trying to run out the clock or they're trying to get in the goal line when he only has 15 carries already, and he's going to get more yards per per carry on those. But you don't see it as like I look at what Kareem Hunt did to Nick Chubb, who I think hopefully we can all agree is a better running back than Josh Jacobs. Otherwise, they, can, And they both had fantastic seasons. They did, but when you look at what Jacobs has done over his career and you take even a few of those goal line carries away, what are you left with? 1,005? I mean, is that what we're looking at for Jacobs? Is that somebody you want to put your entire fantasy season on, especially in PPR when you're talking about a max of, what, 20 catches? He's already 30 points behind most running backs on catches when you're looking at that 40 to 50 range. So you're talking about you already have to make up five touchdowns. Now you bring in Kenyon Drake, who has already proven to be a very decent goal line back in his own right. He's done that with Arizona. He's put it in. And when you look at what Kenyon Drake did along the goal line in the second half of the season, he was one of the most bankable goal line backs in the NFL in the second half. This has to bother you a little bit if you have Jacobs on your team. This has to bother you because you're talking about a volume-dependent, absolute zero in the passing game, and now potentially a threat for goal line carries, which Booker wasn't. Booker would get knocked over by a, by a gust of wind. That's not Kenyon Drake. 
So now you're talking about if he takes two to three touchdowns away, this has been my problem with Josh Jacobs all along, is your margin of error is so thin. It's so thin because you're not going to pop off one of those six or seven catch games. So if he doesn't score, you're getting seven to ten points from him. That's it. And when I'm talking about my high-end guy, like you're talking second round, that's Tyree Kill time. That's A.J. Brown time that you're getting in the second round now because everybody's so hung up on getting their running back. I can't do it. I can't do it. Kenyon Drake introduces more uncertainty to an already uncertain asset that literally had to score touchdowns because that's what he does. I am nervous as heck about Josh Jacobs. I can promise you that Josh Jacobs will not end up on any of my teams. Like it's not, it won't even be close. Am I maybe too low at 22? Sure. But I can't see him as a RB1 or RB2 on a championship team. I, I just don't buy that. That's fair. Again, and obviously in the passing game, like you touched on, Kenyon Drake is going to be that pass catching back. So Josh Jacobs limited amount of pass catching your expect would probably go down even more. So is uh, Theo Riddick just fed to the wolves. He resigned. He, <laughs> he had, I think he had 13 total touches last year. I think I actually looked it up yesterday. <laughs> That's 13 total touches that Jacobs and Riddick or Jacobs and Drake might not get. No, he's just a name now. He's just, you have Theo Riddick as your fourth string back. You guys must be loaded. That's that's the mentality I look at Theo Riddick. Uh, we got three more guys I want to touch on, so let's we'll go quick here. Doc, give me just a real quick thing about Jared Cook. Are you interested in him taking over Hunter Henry's role with the Chargers? No, he is literally the most tight end or touchdown dependent tight end I think in the history of football. All right, so no more talking about Jared Cook on this show. All right, that's good. Move on. Philip Lindsay signed a re- uh, restricted free agent tender. And then decided to join another backfield because him and the Broncos agreed it did not work together. So he's now with the drunken food combo meal that is the Houston Texans backfield right now. You have Philip Lindsay, you have David Johnson, you have Mark Ingram. I don't think I know a more disgusting backfield that I don't think I want any guys of than this. I think in the history of me watching football, this is absolutely brutal. Lindsay is going to make $3.25 million in 2021. So I first question to you, Doc, I'll go right back to you for this one. Any of these three guys, I know we touched Mark Ingram last week. Any of these three guys, are you drafting at all? At all? So so I I feel like it depends on like the value. Like in the 12th round, yeah, I'll take Philip Lindsay because I don't think Mark Ingram is going to be a threat at all. I think I I don't understand that signing. I would still take David Johnson or Philip Lindsay, but I wouldn't feel comfortable with any of the – of them being more than like a flex option. But once again, I think it depends on where you value certain players. Like Mike would take Josh Jacobs if you felt him in the fifth, sixth round, but he's not going to take him in the round, you know, one or two where he's likely going. So I'm not going to take him where they're ranked, but if they fall, yeah. I mean, they've proven to be capable running backs in the past. Mike, are you interested in, I mean, let's not say that they fall two rounds. I think people are like, okay, if they fall, I'll take them. But Assuming that you have to take them at where they're probably going to be ranked at, are you interested in touching this backfield at all? No, I mean, I'd rather go with the guys that are going in that range, the Leonard Fournette's, even the Tariq Cohen's, I would rather have than this group. Uh, Houston did a very good job of basically taking all the players I don't want and putting them on <laughs> one team. I mean, it's pretty simple. With the Sean Watson situation, I'm, I'm good with just letting this team go elsewhere. 
uh, select ducks that if he fell, like from sitting there in the last round, and it's like Philip Lindsay or JJ Taylor, sure. I'll take Lindsay, but when you talk about where he's going, when you're talking Leonard Fournette, when you're talking, honestly, uh, a guy we talked about earlier, even with the Achilles injury, I, I think I might take a big swing at Marlon Mack over these guys. Like that's how low I am on this backfield right now. I like you said, I think they are literally going to take every player that people don't want to draft and put them on one team. You also have if Deshaun Watson doesn't play, we won't get into all the reasoning about Deshaun Watson, but. If Deshaun Watson doesn't play, do they win a game next year? No. No, they're, they're front runners for 101 easily. Uh, if they were in my dynasty, I'd kick them out for obvious tanking. Like, that's how <laughs> bad this team is right now. I can't imagine a worse team in any sport right now than the Houston Texans. Like, I, I think if I was a fan, if I lived in Houston, I The Houston to. Rockets, they lost 20 in a row. Uh, <laughs> have they lost 20 in a row? Yeah, they won yeah. yesterday, but they'd won, they'd lost 20 prior to that. I hadn't even – Wow. Poor John Wall, my God. Poor Houston fans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they don't even have a championship to have by their name recently with all the Astros scandals and everything. It's a lot. It's where it's bad there. Let's touch on the last guy, though. Juju Smith-Schuster signing a one-year, I believe, $8 million deal to stay with Pittsburgh. He had bigger offers from the Chiefs and from the Ravens. Chose to be loyal. You don't see that much these days. Stay with Pittsburgh. I'm curious, John. You're putting him one, two, or three in terms of Steelers' pass catchers next year between him, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson. I mean, I think you put him two after Chase Claypool. I mean, Ooh. you just have to look at the season they had together, and he was number two. That, and, that's, and sometimes it's that simple. Sometimes we try to outthink and overthink things, but sometimes it's just, oh, you compare two players who played on the same team in the same season, one was better. It's usually Brad with the spicy takes. Johnny's throwing a few out here today. I like it. I'm, I'm all here for it. Deontay Johnson at three. So he's not a fan of the footwork king, Mr. Deontay Johnson. Doc, I'll go to you next. How are you ranking these three wide receivers, and is there value for Juju? So I'm going to go Deontay one, Juju two, and Chase Claypool three. I think Chase Claypool is very touchdown dependent. Um, and Deontay Johnson, I think, is going to get the most targets, which is why I have him number one. But – I think Juju's a fan favorite, and as long as Ben is still there, I think he's going to feed him the ball. So that's why I have – that is my order. I think Claypool is more talented at this point, but I think Ben sometimes locks in when he likes a guy. Mike, I'm interested to hear your take as well because Steelers' offensive line was ranked was one of the worst last year, and they've already lost a few pieces on their line as it is. Then you also have – Deontay Johnson, who's going to be the spacing guy. You have Chase Claypool, who's going to be the deep threat, contested catch guy. Juju is going to probably get to go back into the slot full time, where maybe he's more of a check down guy like we saw last year, which wasn't great for his fantasy value. You don't know if they're going to bring in a better running back than they have with James Conner and Benny Snell. So that could take some touches away. This is a team that's hard to read. How are you feeling about these three guys? Uh, I, I actually have Juju as the number one. I think when you look at it with the overall 2020 season, it's easy to look at Juju and say, well, what a disappointing season. I don't think he topped more than seven targets, if I'm not mistaken, in the first like six weeks. And then all of a sudden he took off. Six out of his nine touchdowns came in the second half of the season. He only had less than, I want to say, seven targets in two games out of those final eight. All of a sudden things turned around and we went back to Juju. Deontay had the job drops. Obviously, Claypool jumped out of nowhere and took off. But if I'm not mistaken, in PPR, Juju in the second half of the season was top 15. 
Why wouldn't he do that again? I think that honestly, like Claypool is touchdown dependent. You nailed that one perfectly. Deontay, just not what everyone wants him to be, especially with those drops. I, I think that Juju is the most bankable receiver on the Steelers. So I take him over both of them. I think that honestly, the the real question is two or three, but Juju is the number one for me in Pittsburgh till he proves otherwise. And and just taking a look at the game log, and admittedly, I was down on him too until I had a few people on the show come up and kind of defend him. I took another look. And that second half of the season was nice for Juju. And I, I just expect him to continue with that. I mean, why wouldn't he? I think that, John, you hit it perfectly. Like, you look at last year and you say, why wouldn't that continue? That everything looks the same. Because they and were losing, ironically. <laughs> yeah. like, oh. like, like, like the first half of the season when he wasn't putting up stats is when they were undefeated. And when he starts getting the ball is when they start losing like every game. Exactly, but why would you expect them to lose? They're not going to get that cakewalk first half they had. I mean, what did they play? One team with a winning record where they didn't, Mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah, I think that when you look at what he did against Indianapolis in a tight game, 13 targets there against the Washington football team in a tight game, 10 targets. I mean, that's what I think you expect. Baltimore in a tight game, nine targets. When it's a close game, they documented perfectly. When it's a close game or they're losing, they go to Juju to bring him back. And I just don't think, especially Dupree left, I don't think this defense is as good as it's going to be. And I don't think they were ever, what were they, 11-0, and 0, if I'm not mistaken, 10-0? and 0. They were never that good. They were never that team. So I think you see a return to standard Pittsburgh being, you know, 10-6, and 9-7, and 7, and Juju feasts. I, I, I think he's a big-time buy low for me. Yeah, they were frauds last year. They were the most fraudulent 11 and 0 I think I've ever seen in my life. I think everybody knew. Uh, I, I don't think anybody thought they were going to lose. What was it? Four of their last five games. Like that that's a pretty steep cliff to fall down. But uh, I'll be interested to see they don't. They they lost pieces on their defense. They might have to do more catch up, like that you saw with the Browns. So that could all three pass catchers could benefit. But it's interesting because we had each of you three pick a different number one. So that just shows what it's going to be like probably drafting them next year. You don't know what well, you're going to get. I mean, one of us picked the guy who had 19 targets in the playoffs, but I mean, only <laughs> one of us did. <laughs> I feel like next season when it's over, they'll tag the other two and be like, who said that was the number one? <laughs> I've said dumber things. You guys can hit me up. I'll repeat the hell out of that. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's great discussion. Obviously, there'll be more free agent news next week, but we had a lot of guys. Let's move to the fun part of the show, and let's start off with the question of the week. Mike, I hope you know where that's from, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. good, good. He's, he's culture. He's cultured. That's what we were looking for. So <laughs> our question of the week is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Triple Play is now an official affiliate to Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. Make sure you use promo code Triple Play and get up to $50 of your deposit match when you become a new user and use that code. If you're looking to win some cash, make sure to follow the Triple Play Monkey Knife Fight shows coming soon to give you a 10 or 15 minute show with our locks to help you win big. All right. So our question of the week this week, John has it. So John, what question are we answering this week? And this is this is purely as a fan of your respective teams. Would you rather quote unquote win free agency or win the draft? Oh, all right. Well, Mike, you're the guest. 
So we'll go to you first, unless you need time to think. As a Patriots fan, I feel personally attacked by this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I would personally rather win the draft. I think when you look at kind of what is your goal, and especially when you're talking about a team like ours that has celebrated championships, if I was a no championship franchise, I might go free agency. But for us, I'm looking to rebuild that next dynasty and winning this draft specifically for the Patriots would include finding that next franchise quarterback is what we desperately need. So I think what it comes down to is a wonderful question because when you're talking about a team that's never won, sell out for that one ring, right? But when you're talking a team that had sustained excellence, I'm not looking for one. We've, we've done that already. I'm looking for that next dynasty. So that comes through the draft, not through free agency. I think you put it really well. And just so Doc doesn't take anything from me, I want to go next. And I think you got to do it through the draft, most cases, because it means you're winning with guys that are cheap and you don't have to pay a lot. If you win in free agency, it probably means you're shelling out hundreds of millions of dollars. I think the Patriots had committed like $130 million or something in free agency this offseason the first few days. Obviously, if guys don't work out, you might have cap hits and you're going to have dead money and stuff that could tie in. But if you draft really well, you have guys on cheap deals. And if they're really good players, that's how you win championships most of the time. You get a quarterback that's on a cheap salary, a rookie deal, and then you can pay up at other positions. So I would go winning the draft nine times out of ten unless, like Mike says, you're one of those teams that's like the Rams and you're trying to basically sell out to have a short window and, and you know that you are trying to do that. In that case, I can see it's better to go through free agency. But what about you, Doc? So you guys both took my answer, and David, I know you you did it because we think similarly. I know that's why. I did but like, next. but like, yeah, and also when you win the draft, like, if if you have a top pick and you're taking like the bona fide, like, oh, that's a guaranteed player, but like, then it comes down to like scouting and picking players that have good value. Like the 49ers taking George Kittle in the fifth round, that's a great value pick. And that's somebody that's going to be a contributor that you ultimately have to pay. You could win free agency because you have a lot of salary cap and you're just willing to spend more money than other teams. And we see a lot of times people will overpay for free agents and then immediately regret it the year after. Like with Kyle Van Noy, signed a four-year, $52 million contract, one year into it, and he's getting cut. So free agency is very limited, but I think draft is more long-term. There you go. Great question, John. Way to hold that to the chest before the show. Let's move to the last segment, and that's going to be our game of the week. It's time to All right. John is also hosting the game this week, and John likes to go back to an old favorite. So, John, what are we playing? As always, I love to do uh, coach quotes or philosopher quotes. How do you I'll give you a quote? How do you have this many? This is like the fifth time you've done this game. Like, they've, they've been doing – philosophers have existed for time immemorial, Eric. So there's literally an almost endless amount of quotes. I struggle more with the football quotes, to be honest. But I, but So I'll give you a quote. You say either it's a philosopher or a coach, and you get a bonus point uh, if you get the coach or philosopher correct. So I only have five of these, so you won't even need to use your toes. You just count on your fingers. I'm not going to keep score for you. So John, I'm going to put this. With... John, this should be on your tombstone. Philosopher or coach? <laughs> <laughs> <There you go. laughs> 
So uh, just to start off, we'll start with um, what I got here. Don't explain your philosophy, embody it. Are we going, who's going first? I'll start with you, David. Okay, can you read it again? Don't explain your philosophy, embody it. Sounds like a coach, and I'm going Don Shula. Doc? Uh, sounds like a coach, and I'm going Jimmy Johnson. Daddy's home? Sounds like a coach, and I'm going to go Pete Carroll. That's actually a philosopher, Epictetus. Epictetus. I don't know how to pronounce hmm. it correctly, Ugh. but um, Greek philosopher, the next one we have is discipline is not a light switch. Discipline is a way of life. Doc? Um, I'm going to go coach and Bill Belichick. Mike? Me and Doc were on the same page, but I'm going to go Bill Parcells. Ooh, that's a good, that's a good one, too. That's a good one, too. All right, well, we got to differentiate here. I'm going philosopher, and I'm going to go Plato. That is uh, Coach John Harbaugh. <laughs> you know, Mike, what's funny is John usually does his game when it's his turn to do the game. And I think I've learned more philosophers doing this than ever when I was in school. <laughs> so I took two years of philosophy, so I should be much better at this than I am. <laughs> so, this is getting embarrassing. <laughs> it's about the journey, mine and yours, and the lives we can touch, the legacy we can leave, and the world we can change for the better. Mike? Philosopher and sugar. I am going to go Albert Camus. That's a name that has not been on this show. Wow. <laughs> David? That's a, that's a philosophy for two years. Flex right there. I'm going to go philosopher Socrates. I'm going to go philosopher Michi. That is Coach Tony Dungy. You did three coaches in a row? Yeah, the, the first one was a philosopher. Oh, you're right, you're right. Time is a created thing. To say, I don't have time is like saying, I don't want to. That's a coach. And, and I'm going to say it's Mike Tomlin. Eric? I'm going to go philosopher Socrates. That definitely feels like a coach. I'm going to go Andy Reid. That is... Philosopher Lao Tzu. Oh my God. <laughs> I got two. End the game. End the game. Round down to yeah, four I, questions. I only got one, but I, I can still come back here. <laughs> David's David got zero. The last one is ability will never catch up with the demand for it. And I think, I think Doc starts. I'm going to go. Can you read it one more time? Ability will never catch up with the demand for it. I'm going to go coach, and I'm going to go Vince Lombardi. Mike? Oh, damn, all right. So I'm trying to figure out my only options to win here are to get <laughs> the coach's name or go philosopher. So I'm going to go philosopher Plato. I'll go coach and Mike Holmgren. That is a philosopher. It's Confucius, however. So I think we have a tie. I got the tie. We do. Do you have, have an emergency <laughs> one in case? or <laughs> yeah, let, me, a tie. let me do a quick uh, quick quote here. I won't tell you who or what's doing it. I know one hey, time you, I think you, you had a tie. And I, buddy. You, you're already out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> me and Mike. 
I, th- I think I pulled up a quote last time and I said, okay, now let me give you the coach quote and then you guys can yeah. guess. <laughs> I'll be. Uh, so th- this is really from Bra- this is from brainyquote.com. It's a quick Google, very reputable website. No free ads. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, you say you give a free ad. <laughs> we'll, we'll post all the quotes to tripplayfantasy.com. This this is for the win. If you do not change direction, you may end up where you're heading. Mike, I'll let you pick because I think it's your turn, and I'm going to just go the opposite. Yeah. So that is that is philosopher, and. I will go Socrates. I'm going to go coach because I want the game to end. And I'm going to go Mike Ditka. That is another Lao Tzu quote as a philosopher. So that does not take the win, thank goodness. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Comes on the show first time. Come back. Gets the W with the comeback. You get the crowd cheer for that. that David, the crowd's also cheering because you got zero. <laughs> I mean, if we did the normal that, that'll, 10. That'll fly under the radar that David didn't get a single one correct. If we did the normal 10, I might have gotten one. But <laughs> that game have. isn't my strong suit. Uh, but Mike, man, this was a total blast. Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. It was a ton of fun. Oh, yeah, guys. Honestly, if you ever need a guest, invite me back. I had so much fun. Plus, you're the only ones that don't keep me up till 11 p.m., so I appreciate y'all for that. <laughs> uh, I could actually go to bed at the normal time, but this was a lot of fun. Johnny, sorry I insulted Josh Jacobs. That's my bad man. I, I <laughs> apologize. I'm trying my best to be polite, but the best the best thing is we'll just be able to look back on it when I'm correct. You know, I'll be able to do a little victory lap. <laughs> you you can. I'm sure he'll get 25 catches this year, and I'll be real proud of you. He had 33 <laughs> last year. I looked it up. I know when they signed someone for seven million to make that shit stop. <laughs> I love this is gonna be great all next season. Mike, in case people aren't familiar with you, can you tell everybody where they can find you, any of the stuff you're working on or any other stuff you'd like to plug? Yeah, so uh, I'm at Daddy's Home FF on Twitter. Honestly, though, uh, check out fantasyintervention.com and those writers. They're the smart ones. They're the brains behind it. I'm just an idiot making Rondell more jokes on Twitter. Those guys are putting out fire, fire content. So check them out. Always find me during the season, Wednesday nights at 8, chopping up with the hottest guests on fantasyintervention.com. But for the most part, during the off season, I'm just doing this. I'm just hanging out with friends and doing guest spots. This is honestly my favorite part of all of this is coming on other people's shows. I don't have to write show sheets. I just <laughs> show up and have fun. So this was uh, this was a blast, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, man, it was our pleasure. Again, it's nice to finally connect. You see everybody's Twitter pictures, but you don't really get a chance to get to know them until you get to talk to them face to face. So this was a ton of fun for us. Make sure you follow Mike if you're not already. Everybody that was listening, thank you for listening. If you watched on YouTube, we appreciate you watching. We'll be back next week with a new episode with another great guest, and we have more great athlete interviews coming your way. So make sure you stay tuned for all the fire content coming all off season from Triple Play Fantasy. Catch you guys next week.